So um, in part one, Paul, it was really amazing to hear some of your journey and the journey that your family's on. Um, it'd be really great to, the work that you're doing in, in Middlesbrough is called Liberty Mission. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so it'd be really great to take a bit of time to just tell us about Liberty Mission, what the vision is, maybe some of the differences to how you maybe used to do things, what maybe the measure of success or fruitfulness is now. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So Liberty Mission, um, I think really in 2021 in May, when me and my wife said, right, this is it, we're going to give it 12 months. Um, at that point we were, we were essentially called Mission Middlesbrough. Um, and then we were kind of asking God, what do you want this to be called? What do you want the name of this to be? And so we'd had oak trees in various forms and prophecies throughout our kind of last few years. So we definitely knew, we definitely knew there was something to do with the tree in terms of what God wanted to talk to us about. And then, and then obviously the passage is used, it's often an oak tree in the Bible. Isaiah 61 is oak trees. It's like there's always, and so the fruit of like the oak tree was like became really relevant. Um, and then at some point that year, I was doing something. I remember praying, and as I prayed, I kind of saw, lifted up my hands, and I just saw these liberty statues, Statue of Liberty torches in my hand. And so I felt really strongly about liberty. I had a look at what liberty was, and when I had a look at investigate, it was like a liberty tree in America. I think that was an oak tree that people used to meet under. So there's lots of liberty things. So in the end, we got the name Liberty Mission, um, which just means freedom, doesn't it? freedom the mission is freedom and so that became really part of what we're, we're about that's the reason we're doing what we're doing is to bring liberty to the captives liberty to the people liberty to the oppressed liberty to the nation really um and so that became the name the banner if you want that we're gonna we're gonna walk under um and so what was on our heart was um i think off the back of the guy from china talk about what makes a disciple and really seeing the fact that people now, you know, 90% of the people you invite to church won't go to church. But 60% of the people, if you ask them to sit down and read a Bible, probably would. It became our vision then to try and engage people, engage people in their homes, and really to recreate what we were doing in our house, which was just to bring God into a house. Because it's like, if it's like what God showed me in prison, any life with Jesus is a different life. Like mom, my mum with Jesus would have been a different mum. My dad with Jesus. My dad spent 25 years of his life in prison. Him with Jesus, different dad. If there's a guy that beats his wife up, wife up all the time with Jesus, he's not doing that anymore. Or, or, or a man that works all the hours God sends, thinking this, I've got to provide for my family, but he never sees them emotionally, physically. That guy's going to be different with Jesus. And so I saw him in prison, then Jesus is like the answer for everything. And so really that's the heartbeat of what we're doing, is to try and get Jesus into as many homes as possible. Not because it's like, it's this religious thing to do whatever, but because I genuinely want people to experience what I've experienced. I genuinely want people to, to, to have an answer to, to their needs, to, to their struggles, their strife, their problems. Like, like there's, there's freedom in the name of Jesus, there's liberty in Jesus. And so that's the heartbeat of it. 
is to get Jesus in every single community, every single street, whether that's by prayer, whether it's by a church that's that's going on, a discovery of Bible study that's going on, whether it's through disciples gathering in that area that are then on the street taking responsibility for that area. That's essentially the vision is to mobilize um, a movement of people who are going to take responsibility for their neighborhood, their area, in prayer, witness, and action to make God known where he isn't known. And and then also to find every single person in that community that wants a relationship with God. Because the other side of it is, if we don't do it, the Jehovah's Witnesses are doing it. The Mormons are doing it. The, the Muslims are doing it all over Facebook, offering Qurans and all that. Everyone else is doing it. But but again, people don't want to come to our churches anymore. So the only answer is, is to take our church to the people. That's the only answer for me. And that's essentially what the kind of heartbeat of it is. Yeah. Tell us about how that. you how have you met or come into contact with some of the people that you would say you're now discipling? Yeah, well, um, well, some of them, some of them genuinely God's brought them, which I remember, I remember people saying to me, well, God will bring people to you. And I was like, how's that going to happen? Well, I've seen it happen now. He has. <laughs> He's brought people to us. Um, other people, it's been a consequence of, and you know what, instead of waffling, apart from the people God's brought to us, the simplest answer of how we've encountered people is through obedience. It's through hearing God speak about go here, go there, speak to that person. It's been that simply. All of the fruit, all of the life has come through that obedience. And, and again, it goes back to that scripture God gives us, unless we all build the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Yeah. When I've tried to create something or chase something or pursue something, it's often ended with nothing. But when I've just listened and followed that voice, it's like there's fruit at the end of it. So so that would be the answer, is just obeying him when he's spoken about going to speak to someone, go to a particular area. Um, and, and that's been really what what's brought fruit into our life that's what's led us to people of peace that's what you know people a person of peace is someone who who essentially is, is at peace when you share your spirituality with them they're at peace when you talk about jesus and god and they're at peace where they're humble enough to be honest with their issues and their struggles that's also a sign of a person of peace and and also they they're willing to open their life to you the family, the friends, and that kind of network. And so those genuine people like that, the people of peace, I think I think God's led us to them so far and through just waiting and asking God what he wants to say to us and, and then responding when he speaks. And so if it helps anybody, what we do is, well, sometimes, and we don't do it enough. I mean, saying this, I need to do it more because every time I've done it, God's spoken. But... It's just taking time in your quiet time or in your meeting to just stop and just say, God, we're just going to give you five minutes. And I'm not, I don't mean that um, dishonorably. I don't mean it that way. Because the whole reason for meeting is to worship God. But I mean, we're just going to have no agenda for five minutes. And, just be still. and if you just speak to us and if you want anything to say, if you want to direct this meeting or did it, that and in those opportunities we've spoken. 
and that's how we've encountered Peter Lapice really more than anything else. Yeah, you've shared some amazing, you know, stories of even you felt the Holy Spirit put put the face of someone on your mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us how that what happened there and how it's left that now. Yeah. So so twelve months ago, pretty much to the day now, um, I was in my back room in there, and uh, again I just read my Bible and I just said, God, I'm just gonna sit here for five minutes. You want to speak to me, then I'm listening. And that, I just saw the face of a, of a guy um, calling Timmy. It's not, you know, it's not a real name, but I'll call him that. And uh, this this man is, is part of a gay couple in the school I go to, which, which again is irrelevant, but it's just part of who he is. It's his family, so that's why I'm using that as an identification thing. And so I felt him on my, impressed upon my mind. And then I was like, okay, what am I praying for? Like, what? No, when I go speak to him, what am I going to say? Yeah. And uh, and and I just I just saw this like kind of swirliness going on in his head, and so I went to school. Um, I followed him out of school. In fact, I ended up going out before him, so I was hanging about near where I'd seen him walk. I didn't know where he lived. I just knew he walked a certain way, and so I waited for him. And then as he come up towards me, it's funny because he was with this woman talking. I was like, oh, no. I was like waiting for her to go. So like they come walking towards me and I was still stood there on my own. I thought this is going to look weird. So I pretended to walk off and then she walked off. So then I had to cut back on myself. And then I was like, oh, and he was like, oh excuse me. So I just shared with him. I was praying, reading my Bible. thought God showed me your face and I just want to be obedient. And just say, is anything I can pray for you for? And then he said, no, actually, there's not. You know, actually, my life's really good. I've just got a new job. And so he said, and I said, well, what I saw was like your mind. It seemed like your mind was, I mean, what I felt was his mind was really anxious and stuff. And, and he said, oh, no, nah, I'm, I'm all right. He said, I haven't getting a new job um, when I'm going to be a manager. And I'm, I'm a bit worried about that. You can pray for that. So I prayed for him, gave him my card. Thought that was a waste of time. And, um, <laughs> walked off so I walked off and then um, never saw him again for about two months and then what happened was we were basically a week out of Christmas or 14 days out of Christmas and we had no money and then um, we usually have all the kids presents sorted but we, we were like we were well short of, we were well short of what we needed for Christmas and then um, we were on a call with my friend from Australia and then um, and basically, he'd said at the end of that call, is there anything you need? And I just felt the Lord say to me, tell him what you need. And so I said to them, well, actually, we do need, we need to get the kids present. And so they prayed for us. And I went off and I went back into Hamlet in that day. There's a reason for this story. It's not, it's not a dovetail. It's a gentle connection. We went to Hamlet and I ended up at the youth services. And I'm talking to this youth worker and I'm saying, is there any need? And he said, well, the need is, we have all these this money that comes in usually by this time and we go and provide presents for all the kids who've got no presents on the estate. And so I'm praying for him, finished praying for him to get this money. And I said to him, listen, mate, I'm stood here right now as a man who needs so many hundreds of pounds to pay for his kids Christmas. But I'm telling you, I've lived my life with God and I've seen him provide over and over and over again for our needs. So I want to assure you, God is going to answer your prayer, This, you know, your money. You're going to be blessed. Don't worry. And as I walked off, my phone buzzed. 
And when I picked my phone up, it was Dave from Australia saying, brother, we've had a pray, we've had a whip round of everyone in, in, the, in the family in Australia. We want to bless you with this money. Wow. And it was like pretty much exactly what we needed. Um, and and then and then Stella said, when I got home, I think God's going to give us more. And so later on that night, someone else came and gave us 200 quid. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. But, you know, you're kind of used to God answering prayer, aren't you? It's awesome. It's overwhelming and beautiful. But, you know, you're used to God coming through. So it's like, yeah. But what happened was God had spoke to me that day about three people, about blessing them with money. And um, at the point he spoke to me, we didn't have any money. So the moment this money come in, I said to Stella, oh, I think we need to give some of this money away. And so it was like, I knew who to give it to. And so because of that miracle, the next day I was walking to school with two envelopes with some money in. And because of that money, I went a different way to school. And when I went a different way, I bumped into this guy again, Timmy, <laughs> as he's coming out the gate. And I, and I said to him, morning. You know, you're like buzzing because you're about to go and give some stuff away. I was like really excited. I was like, morning, you all right? And he went, oh, you know, you know when you prayed for us the other month? I said, yeah. He said, strange things happened. He said, our life's been terrible ever since. So I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, oh, no. And, uh, and now in my head, I'm thinking, I hope he doesn't connect me praying with him, but like God cursed him or something. And he said, I was saying to my husband last night, you know, and then he said, we're good people. We put good, good stuff out there. You know, so it's like the karma thing, you know, it doesn't make any sense. His business is kicked out of his business. Uh, my job and all this. He said, and then even last night, our car got broken into. And then he said, and I said to my husband last night, this must have been why God sent that man wow. to pray for this time. And I said, right. I said, do me a favor. You've got my number on that card I give you. Text me. Tell me everything to pray for. I'll be praying for it. By the, by the next morning, there's no text. So I realized he must have thrown my card in the bin. <laughs> so the next day I took another card to the school and I gave it to his husband Seamus and um, and and he looked at me like who the heck are you like, <laughs> who are you he looked at me and I said and, and I was like alright yeah and he texted me later on Seamus and said thank you for the prayer that's nice we also do our own things and so at, at that point I, I began to find out later as I began you know over Christmas he texted me back saying Christmas, you know, joy to you. And that was the first communication I'd had since then. Sent blessings back. And so I began a relationship via text, just encouraging them, praying for them, praying for the needs, praying for the business, praying for the stuff. And throughout that process, found out they were kind of into the, you know, the law of attraction, um, some kind of wizard stuff and spells. And then when I had a chance to speak to them at the gate, uh, Seamus was like a Reiki practitioner. He's like a fourth level Reiki master. Um, medium, spiritualist, that kind of stuff, um, and so and so it began that relationship, just praying for their needs, praying for what was going on, and then um, and then really kind of speaking into their life through the encouragement of Ben as well, you know, asking them kind of to pray for what we were doing when I was in Somerset, and 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 and, and encouraging that, not being afraid of that either, which is important, um. And then we invited them for tea to our home, and which is an important thing. Again, opening your home. And I think then, I think Seamus came and he was quite provocative. You know, he said, I told my friend who come to see a pastor and she said, is this him? And he showed me his photo. It was like this 20-odd-year-old young 
fit, strapping lad in like this netted vest, like a total gay icon picture. And uh, and I was like, I was laughing, and I was like, I said, man, you know, but I said that was one of my selfies from years ago. So it's a bit of jest, you know. We, we just they came, they were in our home, and then we didn't hear from him for a few months. And then out of the blue, I think they were grieving because they didn't get the child they wanted to adopt and stuff. But after they got through it, they invited us to their home a couple of weeks ago. We went to their home, again, not knowing what to expect, knowing by now Seamus is into kind of all this other stuff. What are we going into? All the fears you have and worries, and I presume they have the same fears coming to visit us, you know, like what are they going to be like? And then... To be honest, it was gorgeous. It was a great night. Seamus had been cooking food all day. It was like Christmas dinner. It was delicious, right? And then um, we had a really wonderful time sitting there in the family. The kids loved it. But but most of all, we really got into their life. I understood what Reiki was, what they do, how it affects him as a person. And um, I got the chance to share one or two things, like like when Jesus prays, things leave. And... Um, because with Reiki, they absorb it into themselves. And it was like, and I got the chance to talk about these, you know, just little things. Like when they asked me a question, what do you think about this thing that happened? And I got the chance for them to respond and just say, well, look, there's, there's dark, powerful forces in the earth. They've been here for thousands of years. And and just to, just to share that side of stuff. And there's nothing heavy. I want to convert them. And then obviously two weeks after that, we had our first five times. Um, which we invited them to, and they came to. And and Sean came. He was walking the room, releasing positivity and positive vibes. And and this is the real crux of it. Sean, the lovely uh, Seamus is a lovely guy, and um, he is, is genuinely believing he's doing God's work. He's trying to benefit people. He's trying to make people's lives better. And so, like when my wife encountered him, one of the Christians in the room was like, "What the heck is he doing?" Like freaking out. But like my wife said to him, you all right? She, she was just making sure he wasn't anxious because he had anxiety. And uh, and he said, yeah, I'm just releasing positivity in the room. And so my wife just said, well, that's awesome because like, it really feels positive. So thanks. And and it's about it's about embracing. It, you know, it's about like sometimes because it's kind of finished now because they really enjoyed that day and he really enjoyed it. But what I've learned through this process is and part of that learning was through me being with you, Ben, that time in Somerset. Me, me opening myself up to not be afraid of other people's lifestyle choices. What it's done is it's enabled me to see a level of understanding of his heart and his heart to actually be a helpful person to humanity, trying to make the world a better place. But but the, the other reality is he's doing it in, in line with other things. Yeah. And those other things are robbing peace from him, the stealing time from him. You know, the people he's ministering to and he's drawing these powers out of, they're coming back two weeks later with the same problems because they're just going back to them. And it's draining him and taxing him and it's costing him a lot. Like I've just said before, love always costs. And so I'm able to message him last week, like, how are you doing? And he's like, I'm drained. And I'm offering, I'm able to pray for him and send him a scripture about, you know, come to me all the heavy burden, then I'll give you rest. I know theologically it's about people who are under the law trying to live the law, but also it's the reality that Jesus does release our burdens and does give us rest. So, so it's enabled that relationship to develop a bit more, and um, and and that's 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 that encounter 
responding to God, saying, speak to that person, which opened it up in such a big way. And just to finish on this, one of the most beautiful things of that day was Seamus came to me and said, um, I know a lot of people that would benefit from something like this. And so all of a sudden, what I saw God show me was already he's got vision for all the people he's doing life with. And this is a whole lot of people into paganism, spells, all kinds of stuff. He's got a whole mission field there. And 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 that isn't even looking at his, his marriage. It's not even looking at that and seeing that as an issue right now. It's like this guy has got vision for a whole load of people. And and that's really exciting. Yeah. So yeah. That's really encouraging, Paul. Thank you. Um and uh maybe to sort of like start finishing up how you know you've been in a situation where uh, you and stella your wife were leading a church which yeah. had a building met on a sunday you know in the first part you said you know you, you did see god doing some amazing things um and you're now in a situation where you have a community of people around you what what are some of the differences in how you think and how you approach things now to back then? Yeah. Or are you still doing the same thing? No, the, the difference is, is um, here's the biggest difference is I'm dead, basically. Um, it's no longer about me. Performance, being known, that's the first thing. Trying to, trying to be everything to everybody i'm able to be vulnerable weak and just an ordinary person i think the other side is it is every single person that's doing life with us can see for themselves that they can do this too they can all see that they're called without being called from a platform someone's calling them from a city on the same level as them they can see how God can use them. And I think I think instead of teaching everybody, it's encouraging people. It's kind of drawing out of them what God's speaking to them about. So the whole emphasis of the relationship is completely and utterly different. I'm I'm I'm, I'm my my emphasis now isn't about building a big following of people and gathering of people. The emphasis is on is on serving people, loving people. And essentially releasing them um, to go and be the person of peace, really, to all of their network. And so the focus isn't about money, timing, clubs, meetings. It's about God, about their relationship to him, and about the world and the lost. It's just so simple that anybody can do it. Our children... That anybody can do it. And I think that's the big difference. It's, it's the fact that people can adopt this very quickly. They can accept it very quickly. You know, um, you can do this lifestyle. You can do these gatherings with two or three people, which is funny because Jesus said where two or three gather and they're in the midst. So, you know, or, or, or Paul said whoever, but he's there in the midst. But it can be done in bigger groups. It can be done in, in different languages. There's no barrier to it, and that's another thing. And, 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 and I think that's the difference as well is 
the church is essentially mobilized. And because it's smaller, it can access areas and places that the bigger buildings just couldn't reach. Um, only, only because the people weren't leaving that building, and that's another distance. Everyone essentially, in part of what we're doing, has something outside of this that they're doing for Jesus, or what they're trying to do for Jesus. Um, or most of them, you know, the few that are, but the majority are. Yeah, it sounds like rather than, you know, as is often the idea of leadership in a church where you sort of spend your week preparing the message that you think people need to hear actually is completely flipped upside down now really you're serving a growing community of people where you're empowering them to be the leaders would that be fair to say yeah 100 yeah um yeah because it's like again it's this it's this it's this reality that in 20 30 years i'll be dead so if i'm going to be dead in 30 years You've got to kind of create something that can exist without you from the start. Um, and I suppose a lot of churches are built on this pyramid structure that kind of looks like that. Mm. And so you kind of, there's always the person at the top and they build this thing up like that. And then and then the leadership kind of moves up, doesn't it? You have someone starts it, kids work, and then they manage to do that, then they do that, and then they might be trustworthy enough to do a life group. And then and it's always moving up, but there's only ever kind of one position at the top. Yeah. And so and so that building then can only contain however many people it can contain. And all of those people essentially follow this one voice. And um what we've done is kind of flip that upside down like that. So that and um, so that at the bottom really is the servant of all. That's what Jesus said, be the servant of all. And you're just lying there and, and then encouraging people out. And so everyone then instead of following your voice, I'm throwing my head there, there's no single voice at the top of this. It's an upside down being and what they're doing is they're all following Jesus' voice and obeying him and listening to him. And that again is enough of a difference. We're not we're not teaching people to obey us, yeah. follow us. We're teaching people to obey and follow Jesus. Um so that and equipping them as well. So if Jesus says to someone tomorrow, I want you to go and move to Bognor Regis, for example, or Cornwall then they, they will have enough in their locker, even if they're only six months old, to go to that place, to walk, pray, look for people, repeat, gather them, get around the Bible, start making disciples. And it's like the, what do you call it, the priesthood of all believers? Yeah. That, that, that's what it is. Yeah. So, you know, Paul, you've got an amazing testimony yourself and, you know, the work that you and Stella are doing, I know I know there's very real challenges and discouragements that come your way, but, you know, I just want to encourage you. It's amazing, the lives that you're touching. And, you know, if people are watching um, and feeling as enthusiastic about you as I am and wanted to support you or pray for you, um, like what would, what would you say to those kind of people or what? What, how can they support you? Yeah, I think um, I think prayer, I think I say this to our intercessors team, and I say this all the time, prayer is the most important thing. Without prayer, nothing nothing happens at all. Like, like nothing. It's, it's everything. So 
I need we need as much prayer as possible. Pray for what the Lord says. Workers in the harvest. That's the first prayer. The second prayer is for souls to be saved, people to be reached. That, that that's it. Workers, souls to be saved. I think in terms of our support, we're literally now uh, eight months into a raising support journey. Um, so it's like we're we're fully committed to this kind of life. And that means a lot of our time is often you can be here one minute, somewhere else another minute, going to another area. You can't you can't kind of catalyze and pioneer doing thirty seven hours a week and it just doesn't work. Um so we're raising support to kind of do the work. We're doing it without the support right now, to be fair. Um I think we're about twenty three percent towards hundred percent of our support. And so my prayer is, if I'm being honest, just like my friend asked, what you need? Our need is we need people to support us financially. Um, so, you know, the Bible says, how can people hear unless people go? How can people go, you know, unless people send them? And so the way we see it is we as a couple, we support missionaries. We, we, we support other people. And, and we do that ourselves. And so it's like, right, we're supporting people to reach other people because it's important to the gospel and either we kind of go or we send or we do both and i think in the kingdom you do one or the other there's no kind of middle ground you send or you go and that's it or do both and so we're looking for people who want to send us if people want to kind of back up regional missionaries and uk-based missionaries who aren't don't have a problem that we're not living in africa um, but see it as the same thing, then we we would be like one million percent appreciative of that support, no matter how small it is. It all kind of goes in to helping us keep doing what we're doing and and yeah, and it's a privilege and that's what we'd say. And let me just finish by saying this. It's also a privilege to give. It's also a privilege to support things like this. Because without getting into a big Bible study. Theologically, in the Bible, Jesus te- does tell us when we give to mission, give to extend his kingdom, there is blessings in that. There is things that come back to us from that. And not prosperity gospel stuff, but there's a genuine thing. When we sow into the kingdom, we reap, again, spiritual rewards from God. So it, it is often more important for people to give than it is for us to ask for gifts. Because there's, you know, this giving wedge is like that thick up there when you give. And this bottom end here where you receive is thinner, is more blessing to give than receive the Bible says. So yeah, definitely be open to that. Yeah, and the prayer. And then I can give you can give you links and stuff, mate, if you need it or whatever. And you've got a website? Have you got a website, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. It's um, www.libertymission.org.uk. That's great. And there's like links for our email on there, links. I think there's links to give on there. Um, I'm sure there is. Yeah. So, yeah. Brilliant. So, yeah, if you want to find out more or pray and support Paul and Stella in the work they're doing, go to their website or contact me and I'll put you in contact with them or if you already know Paul. And uh, why don't we finish off, Paul, because, you know, we're part of a kind of bigger gang of folk, aren't we, around the UK who are trying to see yeah. inroads in the harvest and see disciples multiplying. So, why don't we finish the call by praying? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've um, 
I think a minute ago before we started recording, I, I just said that. Because like I said, I've been massively encouraged just by you reminding me of what God's done. So, sometimes we can focus on what we haven't done, mm. what we haven't achieved. And I think part of this is reminding me what God's actually achieved in the past 12 months, and that yeah. we've been a part of. Quite overwhelming. And um, just reminded me of that little boy and said, this is what I've got. Like, you know, the loaves and fishes. Yeah. I know people often preach that, like, you know, this is what the kid says, this is what I've got. But Jesus said, give me what you've got. I didn't, you know what I mean? like, yeah. But there's still that emphasis that the little kid has said, he's given the ball, hasn't he? And uh, I think my encouragement and my prayer is going to be simple. And it's this. If it's just you in a front room, if it's you and your wife in a back room, if it's you and a couple of people walking the street somewhere, just stop today. Just give that to God. If it's a vision, if it's an idea, if you're wondering, should I leave this status quo church? And it's no offense against the church. We need the church. It's massively important. But if God's speaking to you about going out into the world, you've got to obey him. And my encouragement is before I pray, because that's all I simply want to pray is that, is just stop. Just offer God what you've got. It doesn't matter what it is. It's like when you get saved. You don't you don't come in with your good work. You come just as you are. And God will take your life as it is. Just bring that to God today and ask him, you know, do something with this. This is all I've got. But I'm willing to surrender it to you. And just let him multiply it. And so that's my prayer, Father. But I just want to pray for everyone listening. Um, I do hope that actually you spoke Holy Spirit in all this and not me. I believe you are. Um, I just pray, God, that people would take what they've got in their basket right now today as it stands, not looking at what they haven't got, not looking at what they haven't achieved, but God, looking back at all that you've done already through their life. I pray, Lord, that they'd stop today and they just offer you what they've got and put it into your hands so that you, Lord, can do something with their life and you can do something with the things you've given them. And we ask you, Lord Jesus, to multiply your disciples, multiply your workers across the land, across the nation. God, across the nation, Father. And we pray, Lord, you'd raise up more workers and more leaders. I just thank you, Lord, for people who've had the patience to listen to all of this. And I just ask that you bless their lives, their marriages, their families. And God, if anyone's been hurt, by the church as they've left, as they've followed your call. But I pray that they'd be good disciples, that forgive, that look to you, and keep pushing forward in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Thanks, Paul. Thank you, brother. <laughs>